Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Vanilla Weiss and the Nostalgic Nerds. And with us today, we have an extremely special guest. Speaking of nostalgia, he's a huge 90s, 2000s stars. Let's welcome Mick Foley. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Second show. Who was on your first show? Oh, it was just L Baby and I. L Baby is Mick's booking agent for those of you who are interested. That's right. She does an excellent job, and I believe she's got quite a career as a co-host if she chooses it. Right? A woman of many talents. So uh, I'm glad to be here. I've got to tell you, Dan, uh, this is a great name for a podcast. But even as we're queuing up, I just keep on thinking of the words Weiss, Weiss, baby. And now I don't know if I can watch Step Brothers and look at the D-Man without <laughs> thinking of you. Well, I'm glad I can be compared to Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. <laughs> That's quite an honor. One of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah, it's a good one. My favorite Will Ferrell movie would probably be The Other Guys. Love that Ooh. one. Now, we were talking at dinner about the uh, least, uh, most underappreciated Will Ferrell movie, and you went with Blades of Glory. Yeah, that is a good one, i got to say. Um, it's one you never hear people mention. Do you know the parallel I draw between uh, uh, ice dancing, couples dancing, and professional wrestling is this, that there is a... I remember uh, Oksana Bayul, who she was an Olympic figure skater? Yes. So there's this uh, there's this strange uh, camaraderie among <laughs> figure skaters and a, just a couple pro wrestlers based on JoJo Starbuck, who I think competed in the 68 Olympic Games, putting on this uh, amazing show for... Uh, uh, students with uh, physical disabilities, and the school is called Abilities. So, since uh, like 2004, I've been participating in the. They, they'll write it up. They'll have Broadway singers come and like, like write new words to classic Broadway tunes, and then we, uh, me, and the the students and whatever athletes they can get. Uh, so they get big name athletes to come in on a one time basis, but the people who hang in there year in and year out are JoJo Starbucks figure skating crew and it's usually me and a guy who took third place or fourth place in uh um olympic uh bobsledding is this in new york yeah it's a new york thing so the one year oksana bayul was there and someone told her i was a wrestler and she she looks she gets real puzzled she goes it's like pair skating and i was like that's exactly what it's like and then i told her that like there's, you know, professional wrestling is all about trust, right? You don't have to like your opponent. Some of the best matches are between guys who don't have anything in common, may not even know each other, but they have to have that trust. And in the same way, like there's no way that uh, Chaz Michael Michael uh, and who is the McElroy can do the Iron Lotus without that same level of trust. Good memory. I forgot yeah. the character's names. I was just pulling it out, literally pulling it out of my butt as I said it. See, he's so politically correct, too. He didn't even say ass. I barely. Have you heard me cursing all the time you've known me? Not really. Not really, right? Yeah. Not except that one time I bombed us and said shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, but that, you got an even bigger pop. And that was where you were with the lovely Miss Trina Michaels uh, yep. exchanging naughty words. And I sided with Trina. Uh, it was good. Like, I, 
L Baby had a friend uh, who saw the show and thought by far away the part with you on the stage was her was the favorite part of the show. I'm extremely honored to to be said that to have you say that because you truly not only stole the show but um you truly were a huge hit there. People absolutely loved you beyond belief. That was a that was a great couple nights. You know, we go, go back to. Uh, what we in WWE and sports entertainment more broadly call our WrestleMania moments. And I'll try telling the guys like, look, you get to define for yourself what your WrestleMania moment is. So it's crossed over to where it's not just specifically about WrestleMania, but any moment you have, that's a great moment becomes your WrestleMania moment. So that night at the 10th level tavern, two nights in a row, as we sold out, Two nights, but there's like 108 people jammed in there, and in it was a little ass. Yeah, room. yeah, it was a tiny place, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was a great atmosphere. We raised a lot of money for the Broward County Humane Society, and so those are two of my favorite shows I've ever done, including like the, the garden shows and WrestleMania shows. Joe, if you're listening, thank you for letting us um, letting Mick perform there those two nights. You really helped us make two of the most epic nights in Oakland Park history. Yes, you did. The roast battle was pretty cool, too, the <laughs> next evening. Yeah, you you won that roast battle. I was not expecting you to come armed. Uh, I thought I could just play it off the cuff. And I remember, like, I, Dan... You came out and you said, you know, Mick, I know that you've been through a lot of pain and misery in your career, but that's nothing compared to what we've had to endure listening to your show. And it was like, ouch, yeah, that was a serious burn. So, yeah, we had a good time. That, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely, when it comes to roast battles, I tend to go for the jugular a bit. Really? Not particularly. But, but then sometimes, then some, but it's not always in good fun because sometimes you get your feelings hurt, right? True. And we got to rescue you emotionally, right? Well, that, yeah. A couple times. That is what's it called? Um, why so many people didn't like the roast battles <laughs> they would have there, though. They kind of get ugly in a hurry, right? Yeah, they yeah. do. And it was a lot of pressure, too, because you really had to improvise at the last second. And uh, from what I'm learning, uh, I've you know done my shows uh, uh, since I guess 2008 was when I did my first show, um, and there's a lot of similarities between uh, comics and wrestlers. Uh, a great comic from uh, Australia, Brendan Burns, said we all kind of like bond <coughs> over our our worst moments, right? Yeah. Like we we tell those stories with great joy, but there's a subsection of wrestlers who only want to talk about the night they sold out the, you know, the garden, people are hanging off the rafters. To me, those don't make the good storytellers. Like I want to go for that show where everything went wrong. Like everything could go wrong, did go wrong. Cause I think those make for better stories. And when I did this uh, 20 years of hell tour, everything was going really well. And then I got booked on an additional show uh, one day in advance in uh, uh, Rosemont, uh, Illinois, one day in advance, right? So no one even knows the tickets are on sale. Kane, now uh, mayor of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs, was my special guest for the uh, for the uh, the Q and A. And as we go walking up, he goes, "What's it, what? What can I expect?" I said, "Glenn, there might be five hundred people. There might be twenty. 
And uh, we opened up the door, and I was so relieved to see that it was much closer to 20 than it was 500. It was everything you don't want in a comedy room. It's got the super high ceiling yeah. tables. All you know, people are all spread about like 500 seats, and there's it's bright lights, everything you don't want. But I got, I remember getting into it, and uh, your friend L Baby specifically liked this story I told about uh, Vince McMahon, right, and about. Uh, an interview I did with Jim Ross in 1997. And I found that even though I didn't use that story on the recorded version, that no matter how small the crowd was, as soon as I would get into that character in 1997, Mankind, it would make that show come alive for me. And so I looked out that night in Rosemont and I saw like a, a, a husband and wife sitting there with kind of wide eyes wide. And I, I'm pretty good at reading faces. And I said, you didn't think I was bringing my A game, did you? And she shook her head like, no. And I said, oh, I always bring my A game. So I know you've been in some rough situations, right? You know, oh, yeah. six, eight people, uh, uh, maybe a little bit too much to drink, and you just try to make the best of it. Oh, yeah, especially when they're not only heckling, but if they'll be talking loud over you and everything, and you can't even hear yourself tell the jokes. It. So, yeah, it does get annoying, especially in a bar-type environment. Yeah. Lindsay was asking, saying the other night she was wondering when and how many WrestleMania events you've done, and he, she was saying she wonders which one's your favorite one. Uh, let me see. Uh, I, I debuted the day after WrestleMania 1996. So WrestleMania 97, I did. It was me and uh, Leon White, Big Man, or Vader, against uh, Davey Boy uh, Smith and Owen Hart. Uh, oh, God rest his Yeah, soul. every one of them. I'm the only one that's still here. Uh, 98, it was me and uh, Terry Funk against New Age Outlaws in a dumpster match. Um, 99, I believe... Uh, it was me in the big show, and then 2000, I was in a, uh, a main event. So it's what, 97, 8, 99, 2004. And then I came back in 2004 with uh, a little known, uh, scrappy young man named Dwayne Johnson as my tag team partner. And then two years later with uh, Edge. So that's a six. And then I kind of did a, something of a walkout, not a run in, but a walkout uh, at the, in front of 101,000 people in Dallas where me, Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels uh, took on um, uh, the League of Nations. Oh, well, was um, Dwayne at that point still Rocky Maivia? <laughs> no, no. By 2004, he was, uh, he's not as, he wasn't as big then as he is now, but he was still a megastar. And he hadn't had a match, and he hadn't had a match in two or three years. Yeah, he started to get a bit scrawny compared to his <laughs> old self. Compared, yeah, because it was thought that you know you had to lose weight to be an actor. Like actors, uh, by and large, you know they look like you know like swimmers, you know like fitness models. That was like as big as you get. And now Rock is far bigger than he was when he wrestled. He kind of changed the idea of what was acceptable. But at that time, he was just kind of like conforming to what people thought uh, a leading man in Hollywood should look it's like. It's now he's super ripped again. I know. The more, bigger he looks, the better I look for having defeated him in <laughs> 1998. Well, you can, definitely can't argue with the fact that you two are iconic to the scene. Do you think he will be the third guest on Weiss Weiss Baby? 
Um, I really hope so. In fact, what's it called? I did hear that he lives in South Florida, doesn't he? Does, he does, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, he and not far from where we are right now. I heard. Remember when you were walking by the National Rail car a couple days ago? Yeah. That was Dwayne hiding behind that garbage can. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I live near this place called Natural Chicken Grill. Very good food, but yeah. he apparently eats there a lot. Yeah. he's uh, He was always really particular about his diet. Uh, but now my son Huey is really slimmed down. Uh, but he doesn't believe me that the, the wrestlers and people into fitness, they swear by their cheat day. And I'm like, I'm not a good guy to tell him because I don't, you know, the, you know, the proof isn't necessarily in the pudding when I tell him, but I'm like, look, talk to the rock. He swears by the cheat day. Like you have to, you know, you have to trick your metabolism into thinking it's not starving itself. I know there's always been a stereotype about a lot of them being on steroids. Is that a myth? What? I didn't hear that question. Um, Next. What? Oh, I think my mother's calling me. That's <laughs> me slipping and dodging the punches. Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I can't say, I can't claim someone is when I, I have not seen anyone do anything. Um, there's part of me that thinks if someone looks too good to be true, they probably are, um, you know, too good to be true. But I also, I see the work that goes into the, uh, is that music? Uh, no, oh, that's that your was, phone. Yep, notification. Know, what type of a low-rent podcast are you doing here, wife? <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. I guess I'll silence this thing. <laughs> but they really, uh, I remember even in the 90s, guys sounded like they were scientists talking about, you know, the, the protein ratios they would put into their bodies, like watching every calorie. And, you know, I lost a bunch of weight a few years back. I put quite a bit of it back on, but I did it without counting a single calorie, carbohydrate, gram protein or anything. I was just, uh, you know, using common sense, you know, making smart decisions. And uh, but those guys are making the best decisions every single meal. And then they have their cheat day where they, you know, go crazy. But um, they've got it literally down to a science. Because, yeah, I've always thought that that rumor was probably quite exaggerated, especially considering they're far from the only sport where, play, where players have been caught doing that. You know where I, I just, I question how someone in Hollywood looks better in their 50s than they did in their 20s. Exactly. Like, what the heck? Like, I saw Billy Idol looking ripped. Like at age 55, remember him in his prime, he was like sickly looking. And then I saw, I was like, what the heck is going on here? And I'm not claiming Billy's on anything, but it just, it, it begs the question. And I think the absolute biggest misconception of wrestling of all time is there's still those out there who think because it's staged that... What? They, <laughs> I think I heard my mother calling again. So I'm come on Weiss Weiss Baby here, and this is going to become the most controversial podcast I've ever done. <laughs> Do you understand? These pe people are out there. They will handpick like one thing you say, like 45-minute Q&A, and then here comes the zinger, and that's all. You know, I said when I was in England, uh, qu the question was, uh, you know, what do you think about the wrestlers who choose to wrestle in Saudi Arabia, you know, with some of the 
unsavory elements that go on over there. And I said, hey, you know, I'm lucky. I don't have to make that decision. But the truth is, if they wanted to see an Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell rematch bad enough, they were willing to pay for it, they'd probably get it. And I'm, so I'm basically saying it's easier to be in outside looking in, making judgments than it is to be inside, you know. Uh, and then the only thing people mentioned was fully open to wrestling in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And I was like, I said if the price was right, and my definition of what the price is right would make even like the Sultan go, what? <laughs> Who does he think he is? Is yeah, they they always you'll hear people say, oh, they don't get hurt, and I'm like, have you seen Beyond the Mat? Have you seen my smile, then? Yeah, exactly. Those aren't raisins. <laughs> It's, well, we got to start winding down here a couple minutes. I got to make an airport run. Yep, this get, man's a business. This is where we're going to put you. We're going to put you on the spot. This is where you have to come up with like the best final question. The best final question would probably be: um, Where do you see your near future with both your craft and um, things that in your interests? Oh, the craft being the like the storytelling, the one man show. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've been without a phone for like 110 days. And so, uh, I, I, I need to have the note taking mechanism. Like I was just driving down the road. I was like, I thought of something. And that's the key is when you think of something, you need to write it down and then you need to work on it. And I, I, am coming from, um, I did a few shows with the undertaker where I did, uh, I did the, uh, kind of the Q and a, uh, storytelling part of that show. Uh, but it's easy. The questions are, they're easy. And then people are really accepting and they really like that format. But I like the idea of working on stories, really taking things, working on them. A couple of years ago when I was, uh, uh, a year and a half ago, I had the Hell in a Cell thing coming up in a week and I hadn't written down a thing. And then I got on a couple of flights and I just couldn't stop writing. And so a qu the question was, how in the world are you going to talk for an hour about one match? And after I did three or four shows, the challenge was, how do I cut it down to an hour? Because there were so many things to do. So I'm pretty confident if I go out on the road in 2020 and I just start trying out different things, you see what works. That's kind of like the beauty of that. In wrestling promos, for the, like for the wrestling fan aficionados out there, sometimes the wrestling promos oftentimes are best delivered, like, you know, raw uh, you know, ad-libbed ad and you get one shot. And if you try to do them over again, you couldn't recapture that same emotion. But with stories, you throw it out there and you see what works and what doesn't, you know, and you have a chance to really make them into something special. And then you hit that kind of like that sweet spot where you're just really enjoying the stories and you're finding different ways to tell them, even if just emphasizing like a different uh, syllable and you work on where you get your best reactions. And uh, and so I, I do, I look forward to getting into that moment, uh, to creating stories, to having my notebooks out there, to having a phone once again, uh, and then uh, and then bringing that show around to the people. And then finally winning a roast battle with you. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're on. <laughs> just, just, but yeah, so... Um, Anything you want to advertise to your fans for in your oh, future? Let me see. When does this air, Dan? Um, pro well, it'll probably be out sometime this week. This week. 
Well, we're doing this uh, fundraiser. The 20 of the women who worked with Ashley Massaro in WWE um, have started a fundraiser as the uh, Squared Circle Sisters. And Ashley was a good friend and colleague who passed away uh, about a month ago. And so we are raising money for her daughter, Lexi's uh, college education. And um, we're, we're getting close. We're getting up like, um, you know, over $60,000 of our $100,000 goal. So if anyone wants to go to uh, my website, realmickfoley.com, and uh, you want to chip in 5 10 20 even $1, it all adds up. And uh, that's really the only thing I have to, to, to sell. Uh, they can check out upcoming dates. I, I do appear at different uh, venues, Comic-Con in um, – in, uh, in Miami, uh, July 5th and 6th, and then I go to uh, Knoxville the next week. I'm busy like 10 weekends in a row, so if people want to catch me around the country and the world, returning to Ecuador for the first time in 33 years, Guayaquil, Ecuador, um, then they can have a chance to check me out at realmigfoley.com. Well, you're really busy, man. <laughs> yeah, and you let me call your podcast the wrong name four times in a row without stopping me. Oh, yeah. well, I forget. What did you call it? I was calling it Weiss Weiss Baby, which is a great name for a podcast, but it's not your podcast. But now I'm going to create my own podcast. I'm going to copyright it as Weiss Weiss Baby, and I'm going to go into direct competition with you, and I'm going to sink you and destroy you. You're on, what should my wrestling name be? I don't know, but Weiss Weiss Baby is taken. <laughs> And who am I going to be? Dad, I have to go to the airport. <laughs> you, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. So, anyway, thank you for tuning in to this. Oh, no. You know, before we go to the airport, we have to have a piece of birthday cake. All right. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening, it's Mick's birthday. So feel free to call in and wish him a very happy birthday. Please do that. I've got a beautiful cake there. There's a lot of candles. This room may burn down. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Dan. I appreciate it. And I'm going to make you wear a party hat. That's fine by me. For you, I'll deliver that favor after some of the awful things I said to you. <laughs> uh, have a nice day. And thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And guys, tune in for about a month from now for another episode with this very special guest and very special individual. Just don't call it Weiss Weiss Baby. That name is taken. Okay. You have my solemn promise. <laughs> <laughs>